Welcome to 123 from District 123, a podcast that explores and shares the magic happening throughout District 123 schools every day. In each episode, we chat with the people responsible for moving inspired educational ideas from the imagination to the classroom. We dig deeper into those ideas and share the successes from some of the most innovative practices seen throughout Oaklawn Hometown School District 123. 123 from District 123 is proudly brought to you by the District 123 Ed Foundation. More information about the foundation can be found at d123edfoundation.org. Now here's your host, District 123 Superintendent, Dr. Paul Enderly. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our 123 podcast in School District 123. My name is Paul Enderly. I am the proud superintendent of School District 123, checking in and happy to be here today for another enriching, deep conversation. Today, we're going to be tackling uh, the topic of least restrictive environment. Uh, In the field of education, we use that acronym LRE quite frequently in in looking at programming for our students, and we wanted to spend some time uh, having a conversation about least restrictive environment, how it impacts our our Um, school community here in District 123. And I've invited a couple of my esteemed colleagues today to participate in this conversation. Uh, Mrs. Shalia Blissett, our Director of Special Education, and uh, Mrs. Christine Fuller, our Program Supervisor for Preschool here in District 123 to help add to our conversation. So Shalia and Christine, welcome. Oh, nice to be here. Yes, so fun. <laughs> All right, yeah. We we want to begin by just, I, you know, I'm just going to ask each of you maybe just to do a little introduction. So, Shalia, why don't you start us out? Um, okay, so I guess a little bit about me. I'm now the current special education director for Oakland 123, um, but I've been in education for the past 23 years. Um, I started my career as a speech assistant. I moved up the ranks to being a special education teacher, um, and then from there, I became uh, an administrator for special education in various districts. So I have background in both elementary and high school. Um, and I guess I've, I've been married for almost 21 years. Next month is our 21st uh-huh. anniversary. Um, and I have two children, ages 20 and 14. Okay. Um, and I'm just happy to be a part of Oakland uh, District 123. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you. And Christine uh, Fuller. Let me see. Um, Also 21 years. Um, All of it's been preschool um, with a smattering of preschool on all the way through eighth grade. Um, But again, primarily preschool. And the funny thing is, is I still have a preschooler. Um, My four (laughs) kids um, between preschool and my my oldest is a freshman. So I'm thrilled to be here. And this is just so fun. Thank you. It's it's great. We bring a a very diverse group of experiences. But we, you know, being educators, we're all also parents. So we pull that perspective uh, into the conversation as well. Our one, two, three podcast follows a very simple format where we discuss one big idea, a couple of the the concepts associated with that idea, and then three outcomes or new ideas that um, the big idea sometimes produces. So today's uh, topic is least restrictive environment. And uh, as we know, under the Individuals with Disabilities Act, 
which is a piece of uh, American legislation, that, that legislation ensures, and probably over the past 50 years has ensured, that students with disabilities are provided a free and appropriate public education uh, tailored to their individual needs. And um, IDEA's Least Restrictive Environment, or LRE, as we know it, requires public schools to educate students with disabilities in regular education classrooms with their non-disabled peers in neighborhood schools to the maximum extent appropriate. And I thought that was a really great um, topic and a big idea to kick off today's conversation with a, uh, an administrator in the field of ed special education and early childhood to talk a little bit about this idea of LRE, because sometimes we see um, least restrictive environment not necessarily as a place, but as a belief. And I know here being in District 123 uh, for over the past 20 years, we believe firmly in the efficacy of our classroom environments. And uh, sometimes in education, we call those tier one environments. And uh, we have to be very careful that, you know, we make sure that students get the supports and scaffolds they need to succeed, but we also have to balance that because we don't want to give them too much. We don't want to offer them too much support or overly accommodate <coughs> them that could ultimately kind of hamper their progress or independence. So let's talk a little bit about um, least restrictive environment. And uh, Shalia, let's begin with um, some of your thoughts on the topic and, and how it looks throughout our special education program here in District 123. Okay, well, I guess I'll start with the environment part. I think the, the E part of the least restrictive mm -hmm. environment is the most important um, part of that concept, only because it, it you can create the environment, not wherever you are, not necessarily it has to be a physical place, if that makes sense. So um, for me, least restrictive environment is the placement where students are to the maximum extent, uh, extent uh, they're, that they're capable of being educated with their same age non-disabled peers. Um, and that's individual to each child based upon their disability. Sure based upon the type of supports that they need. Um, it's, it's all in how we get creative in programming for our students and where we're better able to meet all of their needs so that they can progress um, and meet those goals that we've set out um, in their IEPs. Um, I think that we get very bogged down with the actual physical place and not sure. looking at, at how we build that environment for the actual student. Yeah. Um, and so for us here at 123, we are looking to um, move closer to more of those least restrictive environment programming um, options. Um, here, we, we definitely have students who are included in a regular education classroom. They're being co-taught in certain areas. Um, we have students that are uh, self-contained, but we're able to push out into different areas where they do get that exposure. Um, to their same age non-disabled peers where that, that is appropriate. And so um, I think that so far we're doing a pretty good job in, in working with our students in that, in that way. We do have some, some ways to go, and uh, we are definitely headed in that direction as we plan for programming. But for us, um, you know, as a special education team, we look at what that least restrictive environment is for that child and how we can formulate that environment to support sure. that student. 
Yeah, and that level of individualization really requires a ton of creativity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When, you know, we talk about education never being one size fits all for any students, um, we really have to leverage our resources in sometimes very creative and innovative ways to make that work for each child to make sure that they are performing you know, to their maximum and they're comfortable within those environments. Correct. And they're well. getting the, the proper support that they need. Um, and and that, that goes back to it being a team decision. Yeah. That goes back to it being an IEP team because there are different practitioners and the parents that are able to give information. And it's a discussion about yeah. what the student needs, what 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 goals we need to set for the student. Where is that deficit area? How are we going to treat it? <laughs> you know, how right. are we going to manifest what they need in our environment um, to, to, to meet the needs so that they can progress? And sometimes that the least restrictive environment is not within our domain. Sure. Sometimes if we are in a situation where we cannot give that student the amount of support that they need within our domain, we have to look at what those supports look like elsewhere. So that would be the least restrictive environment yeah. for that student, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a term that we have to use, but it is relative to each individual student and what their needs are how we ascertain what that least restrictive environment looks like. Yes, and I, you know, I always found as a, as a teacher, having that one-minute conversation with a student, if you're, if you're maybe working with older students, or having that, that phone call with a parent mm -hmm. to really get access to information really helps you as an educator or as a system really get at that level of... of um, personalization to really help better engage our students. Right. So I, I think it is a team, it is a team approach across all domains. Uh, Christine, how about in the area of early childhood when we work with some of our, our preschool, some of our youngest learners, um, you know, how does it, how does it look? How does least restrictive environment play a role in what we do with our preschoolers? Well, in preschool, it's welcome to preschool. Um, we are the 50th fully inclusive preschool in the state of Illinois. Um, there's over 700 preschools, and I'm really proud of that. Our team works very, very hard. Um, I think a lot of this is mindset. A lot of this is how can we open our, our doors a little wider, maybe our hearts a little wider. You know, you know, we've been talking for the past year, like when we include, we really innovate. And what yeah. does that look like? How can we, um, how can I as a leader support and work with our teachers to, to make more specific classroom-wide adaptations for our students? And if that's not working, we've got inclusion action plans for each and every child. Um, now with an IEP, um, an individualized education plan, requiring some specialized education and specialized support so that we can really break down each and every component or part of the day, if you will. Like during arrival, is it a friend that maybe needs to come in a different door to take a quick five-minute sensory break? to kind of regulate their, you know, their little body before they're a part of the environment. Um, might they benefit from a very specific visual schedule or, um, you know, an adult to just kind of be there to kind of ensure that they're kind of seated in an adaptive environment or chair um, within that classroom. Yeah, you, you brought up this topic of inclusion. 
And, and sometimes I think we, we might think of the idea of or the belief of least restrictive environment paralleling that of like inclusionary thinking. Sometimes it might be different, but I mean, I know, you know, as a school system, we always strive to make sure that our students and families and staff and really anyone who works, with, you, know, you, know, you know, within the school system is really feeling welcome, feeling included, feeling part of that team uh, each and every way. Um, let's expand on that a little bit. Um, it, you know, Shalia, through your mindset, when you think about least restrictive environment and some of the efforts we try to make for inclusion, are they the same? Are, are they different? Uh, do they need to be viewed that way? So I, I, I definitely think they need to be viewed differently, right? Because when we're talking about, um, and, and, it, and it's different for, for age level, it's different for disability, it's different for, you know, grade level. I think when we're talking about inclusion, it's just this idea that the uh, student, that students with disabilities are just pushed into the general education classroom and they're educated in that general education classroom, which for some students, that is perfect. For some students, we can definitely manage um, meeting their needs and supporting them in a general education classroom. But that does not work for everyone. Sure. And that goes back to that one size fit all. So full inclusion for every student does not necessarily meet individual student needs. And that yeah. that to me is a one size fit all type of situation. Um, so I, I think you look at them differently, but they there's some cross between the two, because when we're looking at the least restrictive environment or the least restrictive environment, we're trying to build that environment. And sometimes building that environment does constitute that student being included in the general education classroom for parts of the day or half of the day or for a class period, or, you know, it could be a, a, a number of things across that spectrum. Sure. So I, I do think that there are different things. And I think that how we, how we program defines our definition of what inclusion is and sure. what, what least restrictive environment is. But the overreaching um, definition of like full inclusion is that we'll, we're just, we're managing and we're educating all students with disabilities in the gen ed classroom. Right. And for some students, depending upon the disability, the supports they need, the severity of the disability, um, that does not always work. And it's not always conducive to meeting the needs of that child. Right. So I think either, even for inclusion yeah. and LRE, that those are individual things that we have to make decisions about per student. Yeah, so it comes back to the, the notion of an IEP. Correct. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, we want to have this conversation around least restrictive environment inclusion is because, you know, ultimately our goal is to, you know, graduate and, and prepare students for the real world. We, we want our students to be independent learners. And um, there, there is a, a, a teaching pedagogy, a method of teaching um, known as the gradual release of responsibility where, you know, it's a very basic concept that as a teacher, I remember being being a former math teacher, I might model a math problem on the chalkboard or on the whiteboard. I'll, I would get a couple kids to work with me, together with me on that problem, or I'd look over their shoulder and give them a little guidance. But then at some point, we have to kind of cut those learners free mm -hmm. and independent to process and learn and demonstrate their knowledge independent of 
their their teacher. So thinking of this idea of gradual release of responsibility and how it connects with least restrictive environment, maybe Christine, you know, talk to us a little bit about how that might look or feel at that that uh, that preschool level. Well, you know, I think when a child comes into an environment, for example, and they require like maximum adult support to like transition around the environment. I think that's when the adult needs to be very careful in terms of the level of support that they're providing to kind of scaffold it kind of down a little bit so that the child does become more independent. And how does that look? You know, usually it's with a visual support and, you know, maybe first we're, you know, using more hand over hand support to kind of guide the child. And then maybe it's a prompt where we're just pointing to the visual for the child to kind of enter that environment. And then maybe it's like, we're not even pointing, we're maybe standing by the table or the the area of the classroom to see if the child naturally follows the visual or the the, the guidance that the adult has kind of set up along the way. So, Every situation's so different, but you know that's like one good example that's kind of come into mind a little bit. And I think the onus comes back to the adult then to kind of say to themselves like, you know, where am I at with the prompt hierarchy? Am I like, you know, over supporting this child? You know, sure. because at the end of the day, it's it's about you know the child becoming more confident in their ability and kind of feeling that success. Uh, Confidence is really key. And you have to sometimes coach that very individually uh, by the student. I'm always inspired when I walk into our preschool classrooms. You know, I know we take a very play-based approach with our, with our learners, but seeing the kids play and learn um, independently of, of their teacher in many ways is really inspiring to see, you know, that confidence build. How about in the area of special education? Uh, what are some examples you see, Shalia? So I, I kind of, I, I actually believe that the whole concept of special education and IEPs is is gradual release. Period. <laughs> like yeah. that. That's kind of what we do because the goal um, for us is 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 getting the student into special education when they need to be in special education. We've identified a disability. We've looked at the deficit area. You know, we've kind of looked at the patient and we're, we're working on our treatment plan, right? But um, the goal and the whole goal of special education is not to keep them in special education. It's to move them out. And so we take in those students and we teach them strategies and things like that to compensate for some disabilities that they may not ever not have, but they can level the playing field for themselves. And we teach them the different strategies on how to do that for themselves. And so then the goal of that is also to teach them to do that independently of another person. And so when they're doing that independently of the teacher or independently of the parapro or independently of, you know, the other adult individual, the parent parent and they're able to do that on their own, then we're looking to move them on. I've had plenty of of students who have sort of graduated (laughs) out of special education um, because they have gotten those strategies, they've taken a hold of those strategies, and they're able to implement those strategies on their own. Um, And then also to advocate for themselves. So those two things, like to me, the whole concept of special education and our practice and what we do is all about gradual release because we are pushing our students, not to the point of frustration, but we're pushing them to be independent. We're pushing them to advocate for themselves and and, and be able to tell someone what they need in order to get this done. Yes. So I think to me, that's the whole point of special education. One, one of the arts of teaching is knowing 
uh, exactly per student how much to push, how, how much to pull, pull back. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's a very delicate balance, especially with some of our younger learners because we don't want to frustrate them. We don't want them in tears because we're pushing or challenging mm -hmm. too much, but we also don't want them bored. Yeah. Or we don't want to over scaffold uh, because we know we don't get as much from them when we do that as well. But that, yeah. that is truly the art. Absolutely. You know, in preschool, you know, as you're saying that it, I'm kind of chuckling because they're only there for two and a half hours a day. And yeah. I, I really say, <laughs> yeah. you know, at the meetings with families, like you're doing the heavy lifting mom, That's like right. it's really you dad, it's, it's, it's the family. And yes. so, you know, I, you know, this is my fourth year in the district and I, you know, just kind of keep in my mind, you know, like what's next to ensure that we're really developing strong partnerships yeah. with our families and our communities so that families can kind of take some of our practices yes. and implement it into the home when they're yeah. there with their parents and not with us. Absolutely. So. You know, our parents and our families are our, our ch children's first and primary teachers above and beyond all. And, uh, you know, again, as a school system, forming those learning partnerships is so so crucial in helping our our, our, our students develop and grow. Uh, you know, as I prepared for this podcast, I stumbled across this quote last week that I thought was uh, just tremendous, and it kind of leans into the last concept I'd like to talk about today in our podcast. And the quote reads, teaching is about helping people see a path for themselves and then giving them what they need to access that path. And Shalia, when I heard you talking about that, I really, that, that quote resonated with me um, because you know we, we, we can't always walk our students or our children down that path hand in hand. Sometimes we gotta let that hand go. Yeah. And, and that's hard and it's challenging. And it lends itself to our mission, I believe, in District 123, preparing today's learner for tomorrow's world. As we close, any, any closing comments about how this concept of least restrictive environment might blend itself with this idea of preparing today's learner for tomorrow's world? Because we catch our kids at a very young and formidable age. You know, Christine, you work with our youngest, our, our, our little guys. And, and Shalia, as you work in, through and deal with kids from preschool all the way up to eighth grade, they're just at the beginning of their journey. Yeah. Um, how do we see uh, that that mission of preparing kids for for the future and LRE kind of work hand in hand to help foster success? I think if we look at um, or we we keep our focus on the need of the student at all times, that it's 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 what they need and what we have that we can we can support them with um, in order to push them to independence. Um, my viewpoint. Um, previously has always been elementary, elementary, but coming from high school and seeing what, like, those students need in adulthood. Sure. Because, you know, technically 18, you're an adult, but not really, right? So you, it's, it's still an amount of support. I still have high school students that are in college now that, that still contact me for questions or help or sure. guidance or, you know, whatever. And so you don't, it's very, you know, it's, it's a different viewpoint you have when, when they're eighth grade and they go to high school and then the high school deals with them. But if you're if you're an elementary person and you're thinking long term yeah, beyond when they leave you and go to high school and what you can arm them with to prepare them for the next step. Yes. And and the need of the student, I think, is the is, is the most important. Okay. Um, and then, you know, teaching students to 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 that they have a right 
to ask for what they need. They have a right to do that. And letting them, giving them that confidence to do that and ask for what they need, they will take that beyond. Um, Even in high school, so many students who just didn't know that they had the right to ask, right? If we can teach them that early, just think of what they can do beyond us. Yeah, getting all students to be able to advocate for themselves. Uh, in, in, you know, I, I've, I've seen you know young students as young as kindergarten advocate for themselves. It does take confidence. Yeah, it, it, it takes, takes confidence. it takes focus. You know, something that reminds me. You know, when we do our family conferences in the next couple of weeks, we have our parent teacher conference process, and uh, we re- we use a student led process for that because we want to develop student agency. We want them to see where they. Uh, fall in the process and ultimately to be able to advocate for themselves and to say, hey, I've got this or I need help and assistance Mm -hmm. here. I mean, those are very, very important tools that sometimes I think get overlooked, especially at the elementary level. So we are moving to that, though, in the SPED department. I've, you know, had different conversations um, with SPED leadership and, you know, principals that, you know, we're going to start with a grade level. But in, in high school, I, we did student-led IEPs where sure. they were able to talk about their strengths, what they needed, what worked for them, what yeah. they were struggling with, what they planned on doing with their lives, right? So at the elementary uh, side of it, you know, it's, it's, we may not be talking about everything they want to do with the rest of their life because they're, yeah. they're, they're young. However, they should understand their disability and that it is just what they have. Yeah. And so what, right? They should be able to advocate for what they want. So I, that is a push that we are moving to in District 1, 2, 3 um, to, you know, we're going to take grade level by grade level so that it's a practice. Because if we can do student-led uh, teacher conferences and parent-teacher conferences, we can definitely do student-led yeah. IEPs. Yeah, that's it's the exciting. same kind of concept. So we are working on that. Excellent. We definitely have a program that I'm bringing into, and we're going to start that practice. Excellent. Christine, some final thoughts on this uh, topic. Final thoughts. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think we can do hard things. I think children can do hard things. I think our teachers can do hard things. And I think sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that. I think yeah. a lot of this is is mindset, um, allowing access to children, ensuring that we have the right level of supports in place to ensure that they're active participants. Um, you know, even just the other day, I put a dot on my hand and a dot on my five-year-old's hand, and I said, this dot means I am capable, and mm-hmm. you are capable, and yeah. get out the door and have a great day. And, you know, when I walk the halls of, you know, our elementary schools where our preschool programs are currently housed, I, I, I smile to myself, and I think, look at all these little ones doing all the hard things. Sure, absolutely. It's, it's a it's a journey and we definitely can do hard things absolutely we we, we certainly know that but um christine shalia i want to thank you uh for joining our conversation today uh we we tackled this big idea of least restrictive environment through a a special education perspective as well as through an early childhood lens Um, and i want to thank our entire audience uh for for listening today and hopefully uh we keep everyone stay tuned we're going to be uh trying to use the podcast method here to be able to kind of access some deeper thoughts and ideas on educational topics that impact our ourselves, our schools, and our, our, our children. Uh, so thanks for listening to the, the 123 podcast from District 123. And until next time, remember when we believe kids succeed. Thank you.